Welcome to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast with your host, Mark Marley, a former U.S. Marine turned serial entrepreneur and breakthrough coach. Each week, we bring you a message from an inspiring professional or interviews with successful people who've overcome challenges that may have stopped most entrepreneurs in their tracks. Those breakthrough moments are what this podcast is all about. Hey, welcome to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast. Today, we have a very special treat for you. We have Jeff Brecken. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate uh, being on. I love that you came. I'm glad you're here. We have a lot of questions for you. And I want to. I can't wait to hear about your business, your life, and some of the struggles you've been through. One thing that I find in business is when, as I'm watching a listening podcast, is it seems like I like to hear success stories. It helps me a lot. But when I hear about somebody who struggled somewhere and they had a big epiphany and then bam, their business turned around, their life turned around. That's what gets me interested and keeps me interested. And that's where I learn the most. So I want to start by just figuring out who is Jeff Brecken. What do you tell me about Jeff? Well, um, I, I once made uh, four trains take dirt roads, Mark. So um, I've, uh, to be honest with you, I, I know my worth. And, that, and that's the whole key to the whole thing, to be honest with you. Once, um, you know, I grew up on a farm and uh, I like to joke a little bit. So hopefully people, uh, people out there with the whole train thing and, God, making so. and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, you know, the, the whole thing is that at a very early age, um, and a lot of people don't get this, uh, but knowing your worth is huge. And at a ver- very early age, I grew up on a farm and... I was doing the work of 20, 25, 30, 40 year olds. And my dad at seven, seven, eight o'clock in the morning would drop me off at a field and plow a field, cultivate a field. Um, I'd be running a combine at age 10, 11, 12 years old and um, all alone. And I, at age nine, I asked him if I could ha- uh, have a wage and punch a clock. And he goes, well, what do you think you're worth? And I said, well, how about a dollar an hour? And he goes, well, I think that's pretty fair. And so at a very young age, I established a worth. Wow. You know, and so everybody that I hire right now, I actually ask them, like, what do you believe you're worth? And very few people know how to answer that right now. Very few people have ever been asked that right now in their lives. So I saw one of your Facebook posts recently. I was out stalking your Facebook and I see you ask people that. And some people responding and some people, like you said, they just weren't quite sure. So you mean that like literally, like what do you place your value, your time? Is that what you're talking about? Or the value of your life or like, how do you, what do you refer to? So it's always about raising the goalposts, you know, like what's your time worth? It's not about lives, right? Like everybody's lives. We're all, we're all the same, right? I don't place your life ahead of my life or anybody else's life on this face of the earth, right? We're all equal when it comes to that. But what's your time worth? What is your, it comes down to that. What's your time worth? Is your time at a, as a W2 worth more? Like, let's just say you have, you're sitting across the, the desk from somebody slacking off, right? 
as a W-2 employee, and you're putting your heart and soul into that position. You show up early, you're there late, you never hardly take breaks, and there's somebody sitting across from you in the cubicle. They take a smoke break every single damn hour, and they're, they take extended lunch breaks. They, they continually come in 10 minutes late. They leave 10 minutes early, and they're making five grand more than you. So are you worth less than them? Are you worth more than them? What's your worth? Right. I get it. So what do you want when people, when you interview people, what do you, what, what's a win for you? When you get that answer from somebody you're interviewing, what's a win for you? Like a realistic number, or if they inflate that number, it's like, screw that, man, I'm worth $600 an hour or what is it? What, what do you, what do you consider? I want, I want them to tell me like a realistic answer. I, I actually don't even want a number from them. I want a, I want a real answer that says, you know what? Here's what I would answer them. I would answer that them to say, I will never reach what I know that I'm worth because I oh, continually raise the goalpost every single freaking year. I'm going to write that one down. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I've had three W-2 jobs um, after college and nobody will ever pay me what I know that I'm worth. Not, not one not one single person, not one single business will pay me what I know that I'm worth, even myself, because I will continually raise the bar. Have you ever reached the bar? No, because my goals are so freaking high. And when I get close, I'm going to raise it. Does that relate to you, you use that in life and business? Is like, Do you have those goals in your business life too? Or is that mainly personal life? Or like, where do you put those goals at? I have, uh, I have goals that I... I've got business goals that uh, I've got three types of goals. I've got, I've got realistic goals. I've got big goals and then I've got big ass goals. And I typically reach my, my goals. I typically reach my big, real big goals. And then I, you know, you get those big stretch goals, the big ass goals, right? you know, right. Very successful people that, that you and I know, uh, cause we're in a, the same group together. You know, if you, if you fall or come close or even, you know, get 20% to you to that big ass goal, man, that's still a huge success. Do you think it's a big ass goal is like a 10 year goal? Do you put time on those goals? Um, you know, you put time, you, you put a time limit on those goals, but I'll be honest with you. No, I just got, I just got uh, goosebumps here, but you know, it used to be long-term goals before I got into networking groups. It's funny before I got in, into these groups, it used to be long-term goals. It used to be 10-year goals, 20-year goals. But then I learned how to do some visualization and truly sit down and, and think about the details of what you want, when you want it, and how to, how to go and, and grab them in your head before they come true. And if you live in the future, you know, the, the, the old saying, act, you've been there, right? Act like you've been there. And right. like, if you're up, up at bat in baseball or, you know, a softball game or whatever it is, and, or any kind of a sporting event that you're playing and you just crush it and you don't truly celebrate that one win when you're out playing. But remember where your, your parents always saying, you know what, don't, don't, don't truly, you know, rub it in their face, you know, act like you've been there. Right. But you, you, 
so it's always like visualizing that one, that win and, and knowing what you're going to do when you crush that thing. Right. Act like you've been there. Um, there's a time and a place to, you know, rub it in somebody's face or whatever, but, but that's, that's truly like, act like you've been there. Like, that's what that means to me is, man, you celebrate that thing, but don't do it in front of your, you know, that competitor, you know, when you, when you crushed them. Really? Really? Yep. So you save that for a different time. Huh? Yeah. But you have uh you have a family, right? You have daughters. All right. Two daughters and a wife. Yep. Two daughters and wife. Is that a lesson that you taught your daughters? Do your daughters play sports? Uh, they play uh, dance and volleyball. Oh, cool. Yeah. So is that something that a lesson that you taught them that they've learned is about celebrating and when to celebrate? Um, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, act like you've been there. Um, try trying to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, uh, one of those family things. So yeah. Dad, dad what, about work? Yeah. knows, you know, I mean, I, I know a little bit, um, until I don't. So teenage girls, you know, you know, so sometimes I hear like what you're saying and then the word like humble comes to mind, but I don't like the word humble. So, it's like, you know, be humble. I've heard that a lot. Like, oh, just be humble, man. Just don't, don't, don't glow. Just be humble. Yep. But then I started researching what humble, man. It's like, I don't want to be humble either, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm the same way. I, uh, when I got into the groups, it's almost like, you know, I don't want to brag, but I, how do you not talk about your companies, right? Without, without actually thinking about bragging or doing, doing anything like that. To me, I love putting my team first. Uh, I was a goaltender for hockey for, well, up until I had my sixth knee surgery and oh, it's wow. always about team first. And I can, uh, I can see the vision, the field, the ice. I can see all of that very, 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 very clearly. I can see the future very, very clearly. And that's where all that came from is, is being a goaltender. And when I sit back and see the the future and see where I'm going, see, and see everything, I almost, I can see it, but for me to, to, to teach it and to tell it, it's very, very hard. And that might be, that might be hard for people to like to, to grasp, but I got so much stuff going on in my head that it, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, but it is, it's very, very clear to me. Tell me where you're at in your career. What is it you're doing today? What business are you in today? Uh, the, the business of helping my clients kick ass, take names, and protecting them uh, financially as far as their insurance needs go. On the health, health life benefits, employee benefits side, and then helping them out on the HR, uh, HR sides as well. Seems like HR is kind of a lot of liability right now. It seems like you know, yeah. I hear more and more about what's happening out there, and especially in the last year or so. You know, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of changes happening. Yeah, I see that. I mean, depend between uh, our current condition with our our sicknesses and then with pronouns and I don't know what the hell to do. You know, I was like, I look at stuff and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to say, man? How can I not offend somebody? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. it's nice to see that you're. Yeah, you never know. Like, and that where like is that where coming like yours comes in. You know, if I, I start hiring people and I'm I'm kind of lost, I'm not sure I want to offend somebody, and I don't know what they're gonna do. Do they engage somebody like you to help with that? Is that some of the services you provide the interviewing yeah. or recruiting? When, when, yeah, for sure. Could be, you know, when you need 24 hour help, seven day a week, 365 day a year, like we have, uh, we've got a, a hotline um, that you can go to as far as 
uh, attorneys on staff, all that good stuff uh, with our uh, with our HR company. So not only do you get your policy, document builder, uh, appliance, um, employee handbook, enrollment, online enrollment, you get uh, all your benefits from us. You get, uh, I mean, there's just online um, uh, online enrollments. Basically, I mean, it, you name it, HR benefits. The One of the beautiful things about it is typically an HR person, if you're always hiring, which a lot of companies that you and I deal with, that we're expanding, they're growing, right? The oh, first yes. half a day or the first full day that a new employee is coming on board, that new employee is uh, with an HR person pretty much all day long. Well, you got, if you're, if you're hiring 10, 20, 30 people, that's 30 days or 20 days oh, shot, wow. right? Um, right. Of that HR person. Well, with our system, number one, it's all paperless. And number two, all that stuff is done prior to that employee being uh, setting foot on, on the job for the first day. So it's wow. all done. So by the time that employee gets there, that stuff is completed. They can actually meet now with an employee that's going to train them for that first day. Wow. So that's, that's pretty powerful. Big time savings. What got you into this? Did you, so it's pretty good. have you been in HR business this whole time? Since how long have you been in business? What'd you do before this? Um, before this? Uh, no. So uh, to answer your question, it's just been the last basically 12 years. So you catch on to, uh, to what the needs are in the, in the marketplace real quick. Uh, before this, I was in construction. So I built uh, 109 homes in eight and a half years. And then uh, in 2008, uh, the economy tapped me on the shoulder and said, not today, Jeff, we're in charge. And uh, yeah. I wasn't going to wait around for the economy to come back. Um, and I got, got into something that uh, was halfway recession proof, which is insurance. So, wow. So you've got an agency in yep. construction. How does that take you? What kind of strike? I know at some point you struggled, you had the uh, 2008, uh, the housing crash. At that point, you were building houses as fast as you could build them. That's a lot of houses in eight and a half years, man. You must have had well, a couple of crews or how did that work? Were you, were you the developer? Were you the builder? Were so you selling these homes? At the end, we were developing land. Yep. And we were, uh, so I was a general contractor. So um, I had some uh, soups and um, I had office staff and that's it. We, uh, we subbed everything out. So basically, you know, we were sales and, and support. And then we, we subbed everything out. So one of the best crews out there could, could do the work in the time, uh, in a timely manner. Uh, one quick story is when we closed on the lot that the homeowner wanted, I would actually close on, uh, set the closing date for the home, the finished home. And we hadn't even <laughs> stretched ground on the, on the, uh, on the lot yet for, to, to dig a hole, uh, the foundation. And the closing company said, what are you doing? You haven't even started the hole yet, the home. And I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I'm going to do it. And I had not, I I didn't miss one closing. And the the biggest thing is that like, if time is money and it's just like anything out there is like, if you do the work and you get the right people to do the work and you hold them accountable, you're going to, you're going to be on time with everything, Right. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where keep, keep on track, keep accountable and, and think people will be happy. 
So what do you do in 2008, 2009, you're building these homes and, but you're building homes that people already paid for, basically already financed. You're, you're one of the developer. You weren't, you, you didn't sell a lot of inventory homes where you kind of lost your butt on these. These were pre-sold homes. Yep. So what happens when you're building 109 homes, the market crashes, no one's buying homes. How do you get, how do you transition? What happens in your life that you decide you're building homes, now you want something different and you choose insurance? Like how, tell me that's, <laughs> that, is there a story, story there somewhere? What, have an experience there? No. Uh, so I, uh, I, I put my resume out there and there's obviously, you know, construction is in a down economy and there's nobody hiring in construction. And literally about 45 insurance companies reached out to me because I had sales experience and they're about the only industry that was hiring. And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything in insurance. My whole vision of insurance was all insurance people. And I grouped everybody together. All insurance uh, people do is they go into a house and they do high pressure life insurance sales over a kitchen table. And they're not, you know, they typically don't leave until somebody says yes. And then if, when they do, you know, they, they get their family's information, they get their friend's information, and then they do high pressure referral sales. Oh, wow. I'm not doing that. Right. 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 That is exactly what my vision was. And I'm like, I am a, a relationship guy. I'm a non you know, threatening type of a, of a salesperson. I'm just, I, I don't want to do that. I cannot see myself in an insurance. And it took me a long time. About um, so I, uh, some people do some odds and ends stuff. I went back and, and I helped on the farm uh, do some things. And it just, all of a sudden, like the, just the right thing uh, came about with uh, insurance. It was business to business. And I'm like, eh, all right, I'll just go on an interview. And I went on the interview and the gentleman said, well, yeah, you can make six figures here. Okay. Well, I'm interested. What do I got to do? Well, it's very little pressure, no pressure at all. It's just people, uh, you know, the, the clients, the, the uh, accounts, they're looking for disability, looking for health, they're looking for dental, the, you know, just tell them what you got. And if they have something in place, you know, it basically sales, right? And I'm like, right. oh, okay, so what's the turnaround time? Well, sometimes it could be if they got something in place, whatever. I mean, in typical sales. And I'm like, man, this is, this is what I was, I mean, I can do this. Sounds simple. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, yeah, no kitchen table stuff, no anything. Yeah, all right, I'll do it. So I got my insurance license and away we went. And like three, four weeks later, um, literally I had like five, six accounts. And I'm like, man, I should have done this like 20 years ago because I'd probably be retired. And it was it was that fast. And But here's the deal with that. Like I never had, I never gave myself an option B, Right or a plan B, like that was my only option. And at the time, like we were kind of scratching, right. Um, And we needed the money and I never had a plan B. And so that was my only option. I put my foot to the grindstone and, and we went. So what do you owe that to? Like what, how do you come out of not being a salesperson and you know, you don't want to do sales. How do you, how do you do that? What's what's the secret that you use to get those accounts and keep growing the accounts when you weren't really in this business to start with? Because there's a lot of established agents out there. Yeah, you but, took business from them, right? But I'll I'll be honest with you, like sales is sales is sales is sales. Like insurance is the same as you know selling carpet and sale. It, it, it is. It's just you take that word out of it. If you treat people right and and you give them what they're looking for, 
um, and you're honest with them and you have high integrity, right? And you back it right. up, back up what you say you're going to do. Like that's, that's the whole key. Sales is sales, but you just got to do what you, what you say you're going to do and you back it up. Right. Makes- it doesn't matter what industry, but you got to believe in your product and you got to back up what you say. Right. So at this point today, you have other agents you've trained that same sales. You have a sales process you developed. That's something yeah. you train. New, new staff comes in. They learn that new sales process. Yeah, we've got, uh, well, last year we did business in, in over 40 states. So um, it's, been, uh, it's been pretty good. So what's the most challenging insurance to sell? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I look at stuff like what's, what's the most, I guess if, if you're selling me a policy, what's the most challenging? Oh, you know, um, I don't know. Probably something that you you don't really want or need. <laughs> disability. Yeah, like I mean, the disability is something that you're already looking for. <laughs> I guess the easiest. You're right. Because I know. Like I bought I bought life insurance. And next thing you know, they're coming at me with like disability. I'm like, what the heck are they disability for? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. If, if I'm not looking for it, I guess I'm a. I guess I'm a easier to sell. If you were uh, training, teaching, or may, here's a, a different way to look at this. You're going back now and you're talking to a younger Jeff and you're starting to get into this, you know, this insurance industry. You know a lot about it today. What advice would you give a young insurance agent today who's thinking about getting or a young person thinking about getting into this industry? What kind of advice do you get? I would get into a mastermind group almost immediately. Immediately. I didn't get into a mastermind group until I was 46 years old. And... I would, one of the best things I've ever done is get into a mastermind group. I would come out of college and get into a mastermind group at 22, 23, 24 years old. Right. I would be so far ahead right now where I'm, than where I'm at. I mean, I see some young kids that, I, I call them kids, but they're not kids. <laughs> I, I see some young people in our group in their mid-20s. They are so far ahead of where I was at that age because oh gosh yes our group can you imagine some of those younger yeah I, I agree that younger guys who are, are they're getting all the advice from all the old guys and they're making the right connections and more and it's unbelievable more power to them man I love that I love seeing that that is yeah. that's great you, that's, there are quite a few in our group yeah when I you know piece I, of advice I would give it's well worth the it's well worth the uh, the entry fee because it is powerful were you ever in industry specific groups or your first one was like just uh like like our apex group where it's a lot of different industries were you ever in like an insurance based in uh mastermind group no no nothing like that our my first one uh my mentor uh in 2016 um uh, said hey you should uh you should get into get a sales coach and i'm like what are you talking about sales coach he's like yeah you should get a sales coach because i actually i had i was done I wasn't challenged anymore. And I was thinking about getting out of insurance altogether. And cause I, I was doing, I was doing really well and I just wasn't challenged. And he's like, you should get a sales coach. And I'm like, hadn't heard about a sales coach, but I was on a, uh-huh. I was, I was on an athletic team. You know, I was, I was playing hockey. I was a goaltender. And so he hooked me up with a sales coach and that was a monthly fee. And I'm like, geez, this is a lot of money. And uh, he's like, yeah, but I think you're going to find it pretty decent. And in 2016, we doubled premium on the year. Wow. And I uh, got to somebody different in 2017. We doubled again. 2018, somebody different again. We doubled again. And then in 2019, we got to uh, Arate. And 
Then we got to uh, Andy Frizzella and Ed Milet and uh, got into the Arte Syndicate. And that, that was a game changer. That, I've that's heard that truly, so many times. What's that? I've heard that so many times. Once you start working with those two guys, that yeah. if you really start applying yourself and listening and doing what they say, it's a, it's, a, it's game changer. Yeah. The, yeah. That was a true game changer. And that, that's what kind of propelled us to, uh, to doing the national, doing work nationally. And then that's where, I, that's actually where I met uh, Ryan Stuman and a lot of people that are now in apex as well. And these two groups have been, have been really, really good for the business. So it's a good, it, it's a lot of crossover there for sure. I mean, I yeah. see people in both groups. I'm not involved in RTA, but I see people who are a lot of people are in it. I ask a lot of questions about it. It seems like there's a good, there's a good, they, they pick up, they, they complement each other really well. I understand. Yes, absolutely. And way just the people, the members uh, in both groups, the members is what may make the groups to be honest. And, uh, but they're a little bit different groups uh, as far as what you learn in both groups. Uh, but the membership is, you know, you get, you get out what you put in. Right. Um, right. And you definitely, if you're not involved, you're not, uh, the more involved you are, the more you're going to get out. So. Right. That's, that's the biggest value. I think I found anywhere. These groups is just meet, meeting the people who can help you in, in whatever you're struggling with. Yeah. There's always, there's in our group, there's so many people who've been through so much and so many different industries that, you know, I lean on a few people for different things that I'm working on. It's, it's great. hundred percent. Absolutely. So what are the, do you see your daughters going into your field? I'm just kind of curious is that is there a family thing where you see them coming in. I have uh, I have a daughter that works with me right now, a uh, 21 year old oh, cool. daughter. And uh, our, my youngest daughter is probably not going to be working in, in this field. She's, more than likely going to take after, uh, after her mom in the medical, uh, field oh, uh, she's nice. going to, yeah, she's going to school for pre free pre-med right now. Um, wow. That's great. Yeah. So that's a challenge. One, one will take care, uh, take, take after her and, and, uh, one probably will be in the, in the insurance industry is my guess. So the medical field's challenging now too. So I wish her great luck in that. Yeah. And it's a lot of craziness happening. Um, I'm glad uh, we got to talk. One of the areas that we deal with in our industry is cyber insurance. And I don't know if that's something that you guys are involved with. Have you had experience with cyber as well? We don't necessarily deal. Uh, we deal with it on like the uh, little bit of in the individual, like uh, ID theft. Um, oh, sure. On that part of it. We don't deal with it on the, on the more massive scale on the uh, business to business scale. That that is a little bit more on the commercial general liability um, right. uh, policies, but uh, yeah, that it's a huge, huge aspect of insurance though right now. That's for sure. Yeah, it's getting more difficult every day. Yeah. I mean, as as more and more people get breaches and they don't follow the protocol, and the next thing you know, good lawyers can sue anybody, and uh, it's just now everybody's having to overinsure to protect ourselves from. From that, even if it's not even our fault, it's one of those things that it's getting tougher every day to get protect ourselves. I think pretty much anybody listening right now um, maybe has one or two at least uh, companies on an annualized basis reaching out and says, "Oh, you know, your data was was breached uh, through our company, and oh, but we'll give you you know twelve or twenty four months of you know yeah identity protection. Will, <laughs> you know that will." protect you against whatever. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a joke, man. I tell you, that's 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 ridiculous, man. Just they they say that that's how they get away with this. So, oh, I wasn't giving you identity protection. Identity protection. It's not. It's too late. You already lost my identity. One hundred percent gets away from their liability. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It's, it's a cheap little solution that uh, yeah, answers the problem, but doesn't solve the problem. It answers the question. Uh, people feel safe about it. It's like a false sense of security, you know. And and uh, probably less than five percent of people respond to that. Oh, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's funny. I, I have a lot of, I have three different companies that are monitoring my idea. I did all the time, you know, in my industry and uh, they find different things. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. One, one company is not going to find anything, but you get two or three working again for you and you start finding everything. It hits the dark web. Right. All right. Well, I, this is great. I'm glad I get to get to know who you are. Uh, I guess I'll see you soon uh, yeah. next week. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the family of choice, you know, um, uh, it's, it's an amazing Amazing group, and and I missed the thirty days in between. I certainly do miss that. So yeah, that's for sure. It's it's there's a lot of good people and a lot of good information brought to me uh, when I when I leave that place. It's always like drinking from a fire hose. For sure, absolutely great. That's been great, a Jeff. Oh, thank you. Hey, great seeing you. Thanks for thanks for uh, being a guest on the podcast. Absolutely, Mark. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast. Our passion is to teach entrepreneurs that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Learning from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, people who've overcome insurmountable obstacles. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow Mark on Instagram at Mark Marley. See you next time.